This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, your source to healthy living. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for joining me today. The German economy has entered a recession, which started in early 2023. Economists and market watchers warn of a possible recession on the horizon for Canada. So this a recession is typically defined as two or more consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. So just the thought of those two sentences is enough to cause anxiety in everyone. And the correlation between physical health and financial health is linear. To help us understand whatever financial crisis is going on and how we can remain financially healthy is finance expert Simeon Papaelis. Thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure to be here, Dr. Claudia. I believe that knowledge is power. So that's why I want to share with listeners everything we can about recession so they can have financial literacy. So I think the first question I want to ask is, is Canada officially in or headed towards a recession? Uh, That's a very easy uh, answer, um, Dr. Claudia. We are not officially in a recession. We are not actually remotely close uh, to what uh, the definition of a recession is. Uh, But we are in in a very tumultuous financial time globally. Uh, and of course, nationally, and on top of that, regionally. So we can definitely unpack that. Uh, but are we in a recession? The answer is absolutely not. Well, that's music to my ears because I feel like just the sound of it. And I also feel like it's an old terminology to define a time that happened, you know, after the war. And it's a scary time because some of those, you know, survivors of the war are still alive and still you know, remember what that was like. But I don't think that that's the proper term. There might be a new term to define what's really happening in the world on an economic standpoint. What I don't want to do is really get into uh, geopolitical conversation, uh, because what I do want to do is unpack how we can live our best lives here. Uh, We are in one of the greatest nations on earth. We're fortunate uh, to live in Canada. We're fortunate to, to have access to all the things we have access to. And the biggest driver and the biggest um, news uh, in this complete crazy tumultuous time on the globe is the fact that our job growth is so strong. That is the biggest component of it all. If people are working and jobs are available, people are living, people have continuous and security and they don't feel this crazy anxiety that, you know, is it over tomorrow? Is there going to be mass layoffs? No. On the contrary, our government is signing the biggest plant contract on on this earth, uh, bringing Windsor, bringing St. Thomas, opportunities here in Ontario that are going to be enjoyed for by generations to come. So investment is happening. Um, Things are looking strong for Ontario and for Canada in general. So uh, let's take everything for what it actually is and how it impacts our lives. And let's put those big smiles on our faces and keep moving. And I like that you say that. And and I really want to make this a positive conversation because you're absolutely right. So when we see construction happening in the city, To me, that's a sign that that means the economy is thriving, the economy is moving, and jobs are available. But let's let's open that up to a bigger conversation. 
So what does that mean when you say that jobs are being created where, you know, the government is signing big projects? What does that mean and how does that work? Are we creating jobs to create, you know, uh, spending? The problem here is that we're trying to undo the damage caused by a global pandemic. If the pandemic did not happen, we would not be talking about interest rates and inflation and recession. So what has happened here is during those two and a half, three years, let's call it, from beginning to end, the government printed more money than anybody can imagine to cope with an entire country on a stimulus package. A whole country was getting, let's call it welfare. The entire country. Every home, every citizen was getting 600, 800, 1,000, whatever the amount was, was getting a check every month to make sure that everybody can survive staying at home. We're talking about billions or trillions of dollars. So when that happens, that is an artificial problem, but it's a problem that is real nonetheless. So in order to address it and reel back that money off the market now, because that devalued the economy and pushed prices up. Too much money flooding the street. That is what inflation is. For anybody trying to kind of figure what does that exactly mean? When you flood the market with money, money loses its value like anything else. So to get that money off the street, we have to stop spending it. In order to stop spending it, somebody has to take it. And the way that that is done is by your mortgage interest rate going from 0.5% or 1% where it was free money. It was literally free money because inflation at 2% was higher than the interest rates. Now goes to 7%, forcing you to pay for your housing at this cost, taking your ability to go to the movies tonight, taking your ability to put in a pool in your backyard, taking away your ability to go on a trip, by you not spending that money, by you not consuming, being a consumer, now the merchandisers, the whole chain has to cut back and induce you to spend by lowering prices. Thus, inflation coming down. The minute you stop spending, what does any retailer do? They go on sale, bringing the cost of goods down. So the biggest marker in any country, in any economy, is housing costs because it is the first the first thing any of us want to do is we make sure our rent or our mortgage is paid. First thing, first order of business. Second order of business, maybe first is food. So the whole grocery uh, inflationary period of where everybody's like, you know, my grocery bill doubled or tripled, that's real. That's a problem because groceries and housing are not negotiable. Nobody wants to go on the street. Nobody wants to, to go to the food bank. That is for people to go that need it, that, that have not been able to cope. So the first thing we do is those two things. So if that's how the government, the Bank of Canada interest rate changes, increases our costs of, of living inside the house for you to stop spending outside of the house and rein inflation in. And over the last year, you saw obviously it was affected. We were at 7-8% and we're down to about four now. We have a little ways to go, and tomorrow, uh, very possible, we're gonna see the last small increase. Uh, the Bank of Canada will be making an announcement. Don't be surprised if you see a quarter uh, percentage point 
increase in the interest rates again. But that's kind of how it all works and why it's happening. And that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like that is going to help, you know, listeners who don't have financial literacy and there's nothing wrong with it. And that's why we need people like you to kind of make it clear, to make us all understand that it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be spending our money. Now, we need to spend money on what we need. So like housing and food. But do we also need to be aware, like there's also good debt. You also need to have a little bit of debt in your life in order for you to, um, you know, have financial stability. Let's talk about that. So if there is something specifically you want to address or question for that matter, by all means, we're happy to continue the conversation on that because for a lot of people, they struggle in grasping the concept uh, of that inflation and recession. So anybody looking for more information, by all means, reach out to the show. As far as financial literacy. Good debt, bad debt, what does all this mean? If you want to do a project at home, let's say you have too much stuff or too little stuff, you need to want to change a room from a kid's bedroom because your children moved out into a a, a nook. The project is going to cost you $10,000. If you do not have that in savings and you choose to use a credit card to finance that project, that credit card at 19.9% typically is going to cost a specific amount. 20% interest is not per month or per day, it's per year, calculated on a daily basis. So a $10,000 project, if financed on a credit card, will end up costing you about $12,000. That 20% of 10,000 is gonna be charged. It's not simple interest, it's compounding. So it's actually gonna be around $13,500 if you leave it not paid for a year. Now, it's easy to say, well, it's only a couple thousand dollars, or maybe to someone it's, oh my God, $2,000. I don't care how you cut it or dice it, or what's a lot or a little to anyone in the audience. What it is, is 20 to 30% of your project went to interest, and it's gone. So we have to be able to understand, based on our income, what is it you make? And you need to have a budget. And when I say you, I mean every single one of our brothers and sisters that are listening right now. If you don't have a budget, you will always make mistakes, period. And that includes myself. That includes Dr. Claudia. If you don't have a plan, you are planning to fail like anything else in life. Finances have a bigger consequence and pain point when we do fail because you're gonna have to work for it. Money does not grow on trees, as we all know. We have to work for it, we have to earn it. And when you make a mistake of 5,000, 10,000, 20, 100, 200,000, depends on who you are in the arena that you play in, your mistakes can be small, big, or very significant. But when you have a plan and you follow the basic rules of financial literacy, the 50-30-20 rule is as simple as 50% of your income should cover your basic needs. That is your mortgage. That is your grocery bill. That is your children's baseball fees. Whatever it is every day looks like for any one of us. 30% can service our our wants. 30% can service our extras. But 20% of every dollar earned should be put under lock and key 
to service our rainy day fund, to service our retirement, to service future emergencies, to service all the things that life throws at us every single day. There's not a day that goes by that a little surprise doesn't happen. I can vouch for that. When we come back, Simeon shares strategies for preventing financial stress. This is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 105.9 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Before the break, Simi and I were discussing the state of our country in terms of our finances, how the pandemic has caused many people to take a financial hit. But the good news is he doesn't believe that we are actually in a recession. So yes, Yahoo for that. Thank you for clarifying that. Well, we all know that you know, finances are a large um, or a huge source of stress in relationships, in lives, and to individuals' health. So that's why we're having this discussion today. We really just want people to be financially healthy as well as physically healthy. And so if we can break down the financial, you know, status of families and help them achieve their financial goals, we are definitely contributing to their overall well-being. So you talked about the 50-30-20 rule. Let's continue on with that conversation. So we have a family who is trying to save 20% of their earnings. Now, we talked about having a home project that could be a good debt or could be a bad debt. So if you have a project that's $10,000, I guess the idea is not to put the the whole amount on a credit card, but maybe to use a line of credit or to use whatever money you have put aside uh, in your savings. Is this correct? It's a little bit more complicated. The definition of good debt versus bad debt, any retail debt that serviced a want is bad debt. If I go, if I'm walking down the Mink Mile and walking down Bloor Street and I see a sweater at Hermes and it's $2,000, there is not many people in this country that can actually afford to buy a $2,000 sweater, myself included. If I were to indulge, if I were to spoil myself, if I were to make an impulsive decision to buy a a $2,000 sweater, I just have to understand that that sweater is going to be going on a credit card because I don't have that money in my pocket for that sweater. I never budgeted for it. I was walking down the street and it looked amazing. The minute you swipe that card, the minute that sweater comes into my home, into my home, that increased my bad debt load. The only good debt load is debt load that service the services a purpose and makes you money. If the debt that you take on is making you more money as an asset than it does to service the debt, that is good debt. So when we invest in real estate, for example, there is a reason why there is not, I have never met a person that has material wealth that is not invested in real estate. And I am a big proponent of investing in real estate. Uh, I am a real estate investor as well. And the reason that is good debt is because by 
taking on a mortgage and having a tenant, for example, inside this unit, it services the mortgage and that debt is making you money over time with increased value, with cash flow and, de and, and tax deferral strategies, etc. To make this as simple as I can, the home you own, even though you're not getting paid rent, you are paying down your mortgage, is growing in value every single day. That asset is making you money when you sleep. Every payment you make, every year that goes by, as everyone knows, in our country, there is a housing crisis. Our government brings more people in than we have homes for, which creates this demand, this frenzy, that even with interest rates where they are, prices are increasing every month once again. And that is when we say good debt, use your line of credit because that interest on your mortgage can be used for a tax deduction. The, it, it's at a much lower interest rate than a credit card. So if you are going to make these moves, Dr. Claudia, you're absolutely right. Use the lowest cost options, typically the ones tied to your home or an asset. And so I guess I'm understanding this correctly, that, you know, your home is the best, you know, let's say all you have is one home and you don't have money to invest in other properties. Your home is your main investment. And that could be your retirement fund. That could be, you know, your um you know, your old age kind of pension, because who knows if we'll even get it by the time we're old. So investing in your home, your like residence is actually good debt. It is absolutely correct. Um, unfortunately, it is correct because the, the way the price, the, the price of life, the cost of life is so high. It is exponentially higher than our parents it is rockets, worlds apart from our grandparents. I imagine a life where there was no cell phones, no internet, no technology, no demands to go out. School was, was a privilege, not a given. Right now, if you don't have post-secondary post education, you might as well not apply for a job. The competition is so fierce. We're talking for white-collar and professional contractors, etc. there's a flood of work for them. God bless if you don't go to university and you do get into the trades, you will have a very secure life. But at the end of the day, the cost of life has become so big and so significant that for many Canadians, for many of us out there, the, the, the opportunity to save is not there right now. And for those who are homeowners, this is your nest egg. This is kind of the, the asset that you have to protect and uh, that more than likely will be your retirement plan where you can either uh, explore options at later in life in those sunset years, either in downsizing, uh, recapturing, moving to a different market where it's much cheaper, where you have that cash to live a meaningful life. So I feel like the, the one thing that stands out the most is I feel like for listeners, I want to kind of give them the idea of what it's going to look like. Let's just say, let's not even go that far in the future. Let's just think for the next, you know, for the rest of this year, maybe in halfway through the next year, 2024. Um, 
Are we going to see prices go down or are we just going to have to get used to this new cost of living? Because I notice it myself. My grocery bill has increased. Um, you know, the cost of living is just insane. Everywhere you go, if you choose to go to a restaurant, even retail has, you know, increased exponentially from just even a year ago. Actually, you don't even have to go that far back. You can say even six months ago. Are we expecting to see those prices go down or do we just have to adjust to the new cost of living? Yeah, so, so I, I think for the short term, let's talk about the next 12 months then. Um, I don't think you're going to see a major difference. Um, there is still huge logistical issues on this planet as a result of three years of backlog. Um, as far as like production was cut globally so much where the demand for products and retail products and kind of every product is still backlogged. And I mean... Car parts, as you saw, like it, your car dealerships are just getting normal now where you're starting to see cars again. So there was a tremendous global manufacturing issue that is backlogged uh, and manufacturing affects retail from furniture to cars to toys to everything. So all the things are looking normal. There, that increase in price is because of that backlog. We're going to start seeing an ease a little bit. Uh, because we've already seen it in construction, like on the real estate side. Lumber had skyrocketed. Aluminum had skyrocketed. All those are back kind of in check. So the big, big items are kind of lining themselves up and getting into back in their normal range. Um, retail is going to be lagging that. So I think uh, my advice to anyone who wants financial advice right now is continue to be prudent in your decisions continue um, if you have become more frugal uh, it is absolutely the right thing to do well i'm glad to hear you say that because that was going to be my next question that i guess because you know the goal on this show is to keep everybody healthy and you know i do believe that health is everything from what you're thinking what you're eating to how much you're exercising and of course your financial health so i guess that's what I wanted listeners to understand that, you know, just, you know, sit tight, try to keep your spending at a minimum on things that are not exactly necessities. Let's focus on the things that are necessities and just ride out this, you know, crazy way for the next 12 months and then see what happens. I, I, I absolutely agree. It is a stance that most Canadians are taking. Um, most Canadians have become much more modest spenders. Uh, and we have seen the positive results in the banks not reporting pileups of defaults. People have not lost their homes like they were predicting. So there's a lot more positivity because Canadians are both smart and resilient. Um, in, in, and it's been proven on every single uh, economic downturn. Canada outperformed the world by double or triple. So we are savers. Uh, we are resilient. And of course, um, we, we heed advice. If somebody tells you like things are not good, people, more people than not, will take that advice and uh, modify their spending and their habits to make sure they don't fail. Now, let's bring it back to the housing market. So we saw a real decline in, you know, people purchasing homes because interest was crazy and housing prices was skyrocketing. But we've actually seen it cool off a little bit. So I feel like, you know, I, I, have, I have a lot of friends that are real estate agents and my own practice, I talk to everybody. And I feel like, you know, sales are up 
But does it mean that prices have dropped or have people just said, you know what, that's it. I need a house. I need to move. I'm just going to do it. Uh, the biggest problem right now in the housing market is the lack of inventory. People are not generally selling. So the reason the slowdown that we speak of uh, in real estate, 2022 saw 50% less transactions, 50% to put that into perspective, 2021 saw 120,000 real estate transactions in the GTA on the, on the Toronto real estate board. 2022 saw 65,000. So in a population of 8 million, that is nothing. It is literally nothing. And the reason was, so if, if I were to choose to sell today, the problem is not that I can't sell my home. The problem is that I cannot get approved to buy one at these new interest rates. So people are saying, I have to stay put because I can't even make this move in this new economic environment. So when you have such a mentality and a reality in the housing market, that is not a friend of prices dropping, which is why prices, not only did they drop that 10 to 20% over the year, they've recovered almost 10% already because people simply have to make a move. And when there's only 10 homes on the market, you're going to end up paying what you need to pay to get it. So we, are, we have seen the return of multiple offers in all suburbs and in the city, from Richmond Hill to Aurora to Mississauga to Brampton to Durham region, which is a complete war to get a home right now because there's no listings. All of our listeners are feeling less anxious and uh, wanting to hear more from you. So if listeners do want to get a hold of you, yes, they can always reach out to the show, but you can, they can have direct access to you. So please tell us how they can do that. Uh, I can always be reached at Simeon at RECCanada.com. Uh, I'm on all the social platforms as S. Papailias, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm not a hard guy to, to, to get to. Uh, to, to. Trust me. It's uh, Or info at RECCanada.com. Awesome. You can always find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Macchiella or my website, ClaudiaMacchiella.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed it, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and of course, Audible. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at healthyplanetcanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.